Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Grant's back at you again this week with his sultry voice. And if you would like to find out more about Awakening Reformation, we are proud members of the Rebel Alliance Media, so go over to rebelalliancemedia.com and find out about the other podcasts in the network. We got some good ones. Rebels podcast that comes out on Wednesdays, which is P Nate and Vanilla Knox up there in Canadian land, bring in some the parables. Heat. Oh, in the parables. And the heat. Although it's cold up there. So check them out. They come out on Wednesdays. They're going through a series on their parables right now, and it's really awesome. We also put out a podcast with our kids, which is a shorter podcast on church history. And it's meant for you and your families. Do it during family devotions, over breakfast, over dinner, what have you. Short car trips. Yeah, it's about 10 minutes long each episode. And they're fun. We try to interact with the kids and sometimes, you know, kids say some silly stuff. Yeah. And it's a good time. Check that out too. The website has blogs and teaching series. And it's growing too. And there's a lot being posted every week. So go check it out. This is podcast number two for tonight, y'all. I'm sorry. I am running on... Lots of NyQuil. Yep. Which is set to, like, take its effect in, I don't know, like, 30 minutes or so. So we gotta knock this out before Grant's just, like, drooling on the laptop. So if this episode is a little shorter than normal, (laughs) it's because I may have just passed out on the computer. In a very legal, ethical way. Manner. (laughs) All right. So we're gonna start a new series. I'm really excited about this. And it's going to be a series on Christology. It'll be three parts. And what we're going to be talking about is the Munis Triplex. Latin. Latin for y'all getting schooled today. The Munis Triplex. Munis meaning like an office or a role. Think of municipality. And Triplex just meaning three different ones. So tri meaning three. And so the Munis Triplex is commonly referred to Jesus's three roles of prophet, priest, and king. We're going to look at the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 24, to kind of launch us into this. And the question is, how does Christ execute the office of a prophet? And the answer is, Christ executes the office of a prophet in revealing to us, by his word and spirit, the will of God for our salvation. So the first part of Jesus's munis triplex, the first role that we're going to talk about is prophet. And so like we just read, it is the revealing to the world, the will of God for our salvation. How is it that a person is saved? How is it that a person fulfills the will of God for them? This was what a prophet was in the Old Testament, in the Bible, a prophet the OG prophets. That's right. OT. <laughs> OT. OGs. Yeah. They were the ones that brought the word of God to the people. And so that's why you see commonly in the Old Testament, the word of the Lord came to such and such said person. Mm-hmm. And then there it is written before you. And it was also the, the ones who could say, thus saith the Lord. 
-hmm. you know, and the following. And it had authority and weight behind it. Yeah. They were the prophets of God. And Eric is going to read here in a little bit what would happen to a prophet if they were found out to be false. Yeah. So, Deuteronomy 18, starting in verse 15, and I'm going to read all the way to verse 22. All right. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him that you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my word in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks the name of other gods, the same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is, the word that the Lord has not spoken to him, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So that kind of laid down for us the guidelines of the prophetic role. It wasn't something to be taken lightly. And it's not like death was going to come to you if you were prophesying presumptuously, thinking, oh, yeah, I got the word of the Lord. Or you were making up your own prophecies. Right, and saying that it came from God. Yep. So there, Moses is called a prophet. And then in Acts 3.22, in verse 19, it says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God had spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. And so Peter here makes the connection that the prophet Moses was talking about in Deuteronomy 18 that God would raise up was Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so this is where we see that Jesus is the pinnacle, the apex of all of the prophetic ministries of God. He was the the high water mark of revealing God's will of salvation to the people. Yeah. We even see this in Matthew 5. You have it, right? Yes, I do. Uh, Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota nor a dot will pass away from the law until it is accomplished. So obviously Jesus came to fulfill even the the will of God that was expressed in the law mm-hmm. that Moses the prophet brought to the people. Yeah, he didn't just like erase it and start again. Right, yeah. The end, the fulfillment, the the high peak mm-hmm. of 
the prophetic ministry throughout the time, throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. This is something that I think dispensational theology gets wrong. Yeah. Is this role as of Jesus as prophet? Mm-hmm. I think that they've done a great disservice to Jesus as prophet in that their views on the law and how Moses's role is so skewed that they almost view like Moses's law as like coming Inferior. from Moses himself, not yeah. from God. You know, they screw up Moses as being a prophet, so that when it comes to Jesus being prophet, there isn't that Moses Jesus. Jesus the greater Moses. Yeah. It's, yeah. It just gets very muddied and like they just do away with the law. That was a different dispensation. God was just kind of like, eh, that one didn't work out so well. We'll try it again. Right. Oh, Jesus. That's a good solution. We'll go 2. with that 0. one. Yeah. It's, it's very strange how they view Moses and the law. And then because they view that so weird, it kind of taints Jesus's role as prophet. Yeah. It. Reading the Bible through a dispensational lens really does taint all the different areas that you read because then none of it becomes uh, cohesive. Co- yeah, none of it becomes cohesive, exactly. Yeah, that was like really interesting for me when I started realizing how jacked up dispensational <laughs> theology really had me. All the, the scriptures in the New Testament that talk about the law, yeah. I didn't understand them. Like, I didn't understand <laughs> how the law pertained to me now. Uh-huh. Or even what the law truly was, even when it was given. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Once you kind of walk away from the dispensational lens and you start seeing the connections constantly throughout yeah. the Bible, it's just a beautiful thing. And it's really a testimony to God being the author of all the books of the Bible. Yeah. When you see the connections everywhere. Yeah. It's awesome. Sorry, I know that wasn't really where we're going, but... <laughs> yeah. And if it's all separated and chopped up, why Jesus fulfill it? Why didn't he just start a new thing? Well, that's what I mean. Like, it just it tarnishes that really what... everything. It doesn't really make any sense if... Jesus is saying, I fulfilled this, and they go, why? Aren't you starting something new? Yeah. It was not really a good plan to begin with, so why would we fulfill... No, you know what? There is a dispensationalist that actually says for sure that Israel should have rejected the law and said, no, we want to live by faith in Abraham. There's that. Yeah, I can't remember if that was Schofield or I think it was Schofield. Like Schofield. He said that at Mount Horeb they should have said, no, we don't want this law. We want to stay under the Abraham promise and just live by faith. As if having an explicit revealed will of God isn't awesome. They should have said, no, God, we want a new dispensation. Let's just fast forward to your next try. Yeah. We'll pretend like we gave this one a shot. That one's better. Roll the dice again. Hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna obey this. Can we just go to the... Uh, all right, let's get back on track. <laughs> so what makes Jesus so wonderful in his prophetic role is that he is not only a prophet bringing the will and word of God about salvation to the earth, to his people, but that he was actually the object of it as well. He was the subject and the object yeah, of he, his prophetic ministry. He was what he was prophesying about. Right. And he was the person prophesying about himself. Yeah. And he was telling the Pharisees, like, you search the scriptures in hopes that you find eternal life, but they testify of me. Yeah, I'm right here. And in Luke 24, we see Jesus expounding all of the law and prophets, the whole Old Testament, to his disciples about how they testified of him. Mm -hmm. Some people have brought up the issue about Jesus being prophet in the New Testament. Um, because he's not mentioned as prophet 
most will say that's because he was the point of prophecy. His person being the Logos, being the word of God. Right, I was going to say he was the, the living word. Yeah, he was word in flesh. Well, declaring to be the son of God, that was him prophesying. True. Every word that Jesus shared on earth was what the, what the father gave him to declare. This is all aspects of his prophetic ministry. Right, as one who declares the word of God. I think it's helpful when you're remembering what a prophet is in like a very charismatic, charismatic, well that too, <laughs> charismatic society. When we think of prophet, it may not be necessarily the biblical uh, definition of a prophet as right. one who declares from the Lord, you know, a, a spoken message. Right, and that's why now... The way that we can generally partake in a prophetic ministry is when we share the gospel and share Jesus. Yeah. Not when we foretell crazy things. Yeah. Or write books on Revelation and it's a prophetic ministry. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about how in times past, God spoke to us by the prophets, but in these times, he has spoke to us by his son who is the exact imprint of God. And so that living word is now what we proclaim in our quote-unquote lowercase p prophetic ministry. Mm -hmm. There are no more, there are no longer prophets who can say, thus saith the Lord, and then just their word is inerrant. I mean, there are people that try to say that. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) And we should laugh at them and say, you're so silly. So we see that the... entirety of prophetic ministry though is jesus centered and we actually find this i found this super interesting um recently in revelation nineteen ten. it says at the very end of the verse for the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy so no matter what if prophecy is happening it's about jesus so if it's not about jesus or somehow pointing to jesus then i would say it's false prophecy Everything in the Old Testament, in some way, those prophets were pointing to the ministry of Jesus. Well, I mean, just think about it grammatically. If prophecy is the declaration of the Word of God, and Jesus is the Word of God, exactly. then you would be declaring Jesus. Yep. So Jesus, again, being the Word of God in his person and in his message, is revealing to us how we were going to be saved by God. Mm-hmm. He was declaring it, how it was going to happen, and it was actually his person that was going to save us right he was he was the one prophesying about what he himself would do exactly Mm -hmm. yeah so how does this how does this truth about jesus ministry really apply to us and help us day to day yeah like why should we learn about jesus's prophet like cool head knowledge how does this change yeah the day to day we're not like left in the dark, you know, God has revealed yeah. himself to us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus calls himself the Logos, which means that God in his goodness cares enough to communicate with us and make himself known to us and be gracious to us. And I think that changes how a Christian ought to live their life. Yeah, when I think about how lost I can be even with the Word of God in my life, in my house, in my hand, to imagine if I didn't have that and how much of a sad existence I would have. So, just think about God caring so much. Like you said, 
to share his desires for us. And this is our creator. Well, and it's neat that he just decided to do that. Like yeah. He just decided that he would give us a sneak peek at what he's doing. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have to do that. We don't, we don't have to really be a portion of God's plan for salvation. We don't have to know any of it. But through Moses' law and through uh, Old Testament prophets and yeah. through now Jesus, and we understand what God's plan for salvation is because we see it woven through um, all the different prophecies from the Old Testament and then Jesus fulfilling all of the law on our behalf. We see God's plan. We see how God is working things for our salvation. Yeah. And the one aspect about God's word that we can take some motivation from and encouragement from is that his word is powerful. And we see in creation how it's God's word that creates everything. Mm -hmm. And then in Isaiah, God talks about how his word will not return void. It will accomplish its intended purpose. And in that passage, the intended purpose was growth. It said, you know, growth will come up and thorns will not be there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it has a regenerative power to it. Mm-hmm. And then we're told in Romans 1 how the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Jesus, being the word of God in his prophetic role, um, should be encouragement to us to go share it. And to realize that God has endowed his word with power. And that is, again, how we, small p, take part in the prophetic ministry um, of Jesus is by sharing the message of him and by sharing the message of the whole Bible, yeah, which is salvation through Jesus, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, in his sacrifice, in our stead, for forgiveness of sins. There's power in that message. There's power in the word of God. Day to day, that's how a Christian can realize the prophetic ministry of Jesus applies. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating, too, that back in Deuteronomy, when we read, yeah. that the punishment for someone who gave a false prophecy was death. It just further shows the injustice done to Jesus because his prophecy was a true prophecy. And people hated it so much that they killed him. Not because it was a false prophecy, but because they were false. You know, they were in rebellion against Jesus. And what a great injustice and and irony. Yeah, and because they were false, their own testimony was false. Yeah. Jesus took their punishment. I mean, it's just interesting when you think about how Scripture all connects. Yeah, it's similar to Christ taking on the curse. Of the covenant, though he didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't break the covenant. He was not a covenant barely, breaker, yeah. Right. So even though he wasn't a false prophet, he was treated as one. So we hope that this little study on Christology will stir up your affections for Christ and stir up your desire to learn more about the ministry of Jesus. I know it has for us. And it can be really intriguing to see that Jesus wasn't just the Son of God came, he said some cool stuff, and then, you know, died. There's a whole lot more to it. Yeah. And there are depths depths to it that we can plumb for years, you know, and it's just, it's really awesome. I got a book, and it's John Owen's book called The Glory of Christ, and it's like a bazillion little chapters on different aspects of Christ and Christ's ministry and all that kind of stuff. So, I encourage everyone to get that. 
and just study more about Jesus and his ministry. I think it's just helpful, too, to see how all of the Old Testament connects to the New Testament. Yeah, that's really huge, too. It's really helpful to understand how the Old Testament prophets make sense in light of Jesus. Yeah, well, and we have a trend right now in the church of... Unhitching the Old Testament. (laughs) Precisely. Um, Thanks, Andy Stanley. Mm -hmm. And and many think that. Many think that the Old Testament's kind of just the old, insignificant stuff. But the New Testament doesn't make any sense without the Old Testament. So we hope that studying these things will show the significance and the beauty of it all. And we're like certainly not like prolific in any sense of the word. No. But we just hope to kind of like prod you along to Yeah. Wet your appetite. Mm-hmm. To do your own study and, and really just see how cool this munis triplex is. Yeah. Triplex. Munis triplex is. Yeah. Learn some Latin. Latin's always fun to learn. Our kids are learning Latin and I am too because I don't know Latin. (laughs) So next week we will talk about Jesus as priest and how Jesus fulfilled the priesthood. And that should be really good. Yeah. There's actually a lot. Really interesting. There's a lot in the New Testament about Jesus and his priestly duties. Like all of Hebrews. Yeah. So we're (laughs) going to cover the entire book of Hebrews next week. No fresh. Six hour episode. (laughs) Just kidding. We will somehow whittle it down. Hopefully Grandma has his voice back next week. Yeah, hopefully I don't sound like a horse. You know, when we first started this podcast, I lost my voice like two or three times. It's true, you did. And I have never lost my voice up until that point. Yeah. So it's really interesting that you're starting to lose yours. I know. I like didn't talk at all today. I talked a lot less today than I normally do. Somehow we got to the end of this, though. And we're doubling up today because we get to go on a small little vacation next weekend. So being one of the benefits of being here in New York is we're a whole lot closer to New England, which we've never been to before. Nope. And now it's fall. And I get to do something that's been on my bucket list for as long as I can remember. We are going to go to Salem, Massachusetts. (laughs) During the month of October in particular, like I've always wanted to go to Salem in October. I'm so happy I get to do this with you. And possibly visiting where Jonathan Edwards was a pastor. And then we're going to make our way to Salem and see some old historic buildings of Salem Witch Trials era. Yes. So excited. (laughs) It's going to be super fun. All right. We hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was beneficial. And tune in next week for our next installment. Don't forget to check out all the other podcasts here in Rebel Alliance Media. Go to the website, like us on social media, share us with your friends, ask your friends to like the page. We greatly appreciate it. Um, Reviews on iTunes and everywhere else really help us, so please do that. And we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart. From original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark. 
York State, Alaska in the wintertime, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. That verse one is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nick at night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't receive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh -huh. We would all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation The situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal Pupils, his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable, the lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible, so let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above.